Welcome to Christ Church. The following is a homily from our Sunday morning gathering in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Enjoy. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. So we got to read an entire book of the Bible this morning and the letter that Vic just read from Paul to Philemon or Philemon, or if you're from Oklahoma, you can pronounce it any way you want. And, um, and Philemon is this leader of a house church. He, is, um, he had learned from Paul. He built a church. They gather um, in his house, and um, he had a slave, um, Onis- uh, Onesimus, or Onesimus. And again, from Oklahoma, you can pronounce it any way you want to, and it's fine. And, um, and, and Onesimus um, ran away. He ran away from, from, from Philemon, and, um, and, and he came into Paul's service in some way. Paul is sitting in prison, he, and, and, and you know, Philemon is sitting there helping him with tasks, and so he and Paul have become really close. And, um, and, 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 but Philemon wants um, him to come back. And so Paul writes this letter. It brings to memory a letter um, that um, a, a gentleman wrote some many years ago, back I think in 1965. Um, he um, had been a slave um, in Tennessee. Um, he um, escaped, and um, his old master at the end of the war uh, wrote to him and said, I want you to come back and live with me. So he writes a letter to my old master, Colonel P.H. Anderson in Big Spring, Tennessee. He writes, I got your letter and I was glad to see that you had not forgotten Jordan and that you wanted me to come back and live with you again, promising to do better for me than anyone else can. I've often felt uneasy about you. I thought the Yankees would have hung you long before this for harboring rebels they found at your house. I suppose they never heard about you going to Colonel Martin's to kill the Union soldier that was left in the company of their stable. Although you shot at me twice before I left you, I did not want to hear of you getting hurt. And I'm glad that you are still living. It would do me good to go back to the dear old home again and see Miss Mary and Miss Martha and Alan, Esther, Green, and Lee give my love to all of them. And tell them I hope that we will meet in a better world if not this. I would have gone back to see you if I was working in the Nashville hospital, but one of the neighbors told me that Henry intended to shoot me if he ever got a chance. As to my freedom, which you say I can have, there's nothing to be gained on that score. As I got my free papers in 1864 from the provost general, Um, of the Department of Nashville. Mandy, who's his wife, says she would be afraid to go back without some proof that you were disposed to treat us justly and kindly. And we have concluded that to test your sincerity by asking you to send us the wages for the time that we served you. 
This will make us forget and forgive old scores and rely on your justice and your friendship in the future. I served you faithfully for 32 years and Mandy for 20 years. At $25 a month for me and $2 weekly for Mandy, our earnings would amount to $11,680. Add to this the interest for the time our wages have been held back and deduct what you paid for our clothing and the three doctor's visits to me and pulling a tooth for Mandy. And the balance will show that we have the justice we are entitled to. Please send the money to Adams Express in care of V. Winters, Esquire of Dayton, Ohio. If you fail to pay us for our faithful labors in the past, we can have little faith in your promises in the future. We trust the good maker has opened your eyes to the wrongs which you and your fathers have done to me and to my fathers in making us toil for you for generations without recompense. Here, I draw my wages every Saturday night, but in Tennessee, there was never any payday for the Negroes any more than the horses and cows. Surely, there will be a day of reckoning for those who defrauded the labor of his hire. In answering this letter, please state if there would be any safety for my Millie and Jane, who are now grown up, and both, um, who are now grown up. You know how it was with poor Matilda and Catherine. I would rather stay here and starve and die if it came to that than have my girls brought to shame by the violence and wickedness of young masters. You will also please state if there has been any schools open for colored children in your neighborhood. The great desire of my life now is to give my children an education and have them form virtuous habits. Your old servant, Jordan Anderson. That was some class A shade that Jordan threw on his old master. And it's similar to what Paul does in this letter. I mean, this is some like grade A passive aggressive writing that Paul does to try to shame Philemon to do the thing that he knows that he should do. Now, Slavery in biblical times was a little different than slavery that, like, America experienced. That most of the slavery in biblical times was that you were unable to pay a debt, and so you went and you worked for somebody to pay down that debt. The economics was set up in such a way that it was unlikely that you would have ever paid off that debt, and so you remained and slavery for a long, long time. There was, a, um, there was a, a, a law in Judaism that every 70 years you had what was called the Jubilee. And all debts were forgiven. Any land that had been taken was returned to its rightful owner. And anyone who was enslaved, their debt was forgiven and they were set free. And you know, there is absolutely no evidence that the Jubilee was ever practiced. It turns out that doing what is right is oftentimes expensive, and so people find all sorts of reasons not to do what it is that they are supposed to do. 
So Paul writes this letter, and he asks him, and he says, look, you have absolute legal right to bring ones of this back into your household as a slave and to continue to pay off your debt, but I am begging you to look at this from the place of being co-Christians and not from master and slave. To essentially do this from the heart and not rely on the law. For faith transforms our relationships with one another. This is what Jesus is getting to in the gospel lesson. That, that, that discipleship is costly. And you have to decide if you really want to be a disciple of Jesus or whether you just want to adorn yourself with the name of Christian. Are you willing to do the costly things? And this is what Paul is asking Philemon. He's asking him, read the fine print. I read a story recently. Um, the lawyers in here might appreciate this because they write these giant contracts that nobody ever reads. And they, people just sign them, probably to our detriment. The other day, I go to the doctor, and, and she gives me this pad, and she's like, okay, you're signing this for this, and I'm just sitting here signing. I could have signed over my house to her, and I wouldn't have even known. But this woman, um, she goes, and she actually reads the terms of service, and she finds this line. If anybody reads this, you know, you get like $10,000. And she said, well, this can't be true. So she calls up the company and says, did I read this right? And you're like, you're the first person who has ever asked us about that portion of the terms of service. So yes, you get the money. Right? This is what Paul and Jesus want us to ask. Are we willing to be sacrificial in our discipleship or do we just simply want to have the name of Christian? I think a lot of times for us as Christians in America, where we are not oppressed as a people, right? I mean, Christianity, you don't have to worry about getting here on a morning and, and fear that someone's going to attack you for being Christian. You don't have to worry about living your faith in the, in the, in the greater public square. Um, Christians are not oppressed in this country. And so what happens is, is a lot of times we sit there and we get confused about what it is that we are formed by. And I think why this letter still speaks to this day is that Paul is asking Philemon, is it your right or is it the gospel? And so many of us sit there and we get confused about what we have the right to do versus what we ought to do. And that's what Paul is asking us to think about, right? We sit there and we have these arguments about various things, and a lot of times they delve down into what is our right rather than what is demanded of us. I have often said that in Christianity, there are no rights. There are simply obligations that are placed on us. When we are baptized, what is placed on us is an obligation to pray and to care for others, to serve others, to love each person as if they were Christ themselves. There's also this other part of this letter that Paul does something really powerful that is a part of the gospel, and that is, is that Paul offers to pay off the debt himself. 
Look, if there's any debt owed, you tell me what it is, and I will pay it myself. Look, he says, I'm writing with my own hand. Now, this has absolutely nothing to do with this gospel, I mean with this text, other than it, it, it points out something really important for us to understand. In the early times, you did not have a Xerox machine to copy. You did not have a typewriter that you could sit there and type. You did not have um, Google Docs that you could write and then simply share so that Paul's letter could immediately go. Paul would have had to hire somebody to sit there and transcribe his letter. And then Paul here goes and says, I'm writing with my own hand so you know that this is a promise that I'm making that you can depend upon. Bibles in the early church were difficult to come by because they were expensive. And so this idea, which many of us can do, is buy like a little Bible that can fit into our pocket. Um, you know, you can, so you can carry the Bible at all times. In fact, now most of the times we use it on our smartphone. Back then, if you wanted to have a full letter, a full gospel, if you wanted to have something that took a lot, you could spend thousands and thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars in our own day. So whatever happened to Onesimus? Whatever happened to the slave? The letter, we only get one side of the story. Paul Harvey would have, had, um, would have loved this story because um, we find Onesimus showing up in another one of Paul's letters. In the letter to the Colossians chapter 4, um, Onesimus is mentioned as a fellow servant in the church. So obviously Philemon said, okay, fine. Paul, you've twisted my hand, my, my arm. You have shamed me into releasing him. He doesn't own any debt. Onesimus, you are free to be an apostle for Jesus. And here, and here he is showing up working in the church in Colossae. He also later becomes the bishop of Ephesus. We've all heard of the letter to the Ephesians. Uh, Timothy, Paul's friend, was the first bishop of Ephesus. And we are told that Onesimus ends up being the second bishop of Ephesus. And he ends up dying um, as, a as a martyr as a part of Roman persecution. And there is the rest of the story. Good day.